family-owned shop in Loganville, Sosby's Garage, for all your automotive repair needs. We service all makes and models, Ford and domestic. We repair engines, alternators, brakes, alignments, AC systems, and more, using certified technicians with over 90 years of combined experience. We also offer same-day service for some repairs. Sosby's Garage, 200 Bay Creek Road in Loganville. Dependable, honest, and fair. Look us up on Google or Facebook. We'll take good care of you. Broadcasting live from the Subaru of Gwinnett studio inside the Sonesta Gwinnett Place Atlanta Hotel. It's time for Case in Point, presented by Paradigm Security Services. We are the cornerstone of security in the Southeast. Hey, everybody. Welcome to Case in Point, presented by Paradigm Security Services. I'm your host, Rick Strawn, the president of Paradigm Security Services. We're excited to be with you today on Business Radio X. We are broadcasting live from the Subaru of Gwinnett Studio, located in the Sinesta Gwinnett Place Atlanta Hotel in Duluth, Georgia. In addition to Paradigm Security Services, this show is also brought to you by Sosby's Garage, which we had the little commercial, and the Manus Scholarship Fund. I'll take a second just to mention that uh, Sosby's is looking for a, another mechanic. They are growing like crazy. If you've got anything you need to do with your car, have it fixed or anything, take it to John. Uh, you will not be disappointed. He's fair. He's honest. And that's a, uh, an unusual thing to say about uh, mechanics, unfortunately. But uh, also, listening to the alternate weeks for me next week included for the Manus Scholarship Fund. And listen to Dr. Jeannie Burnett. Uh, she has some awesome guests coming on. On every show, we feature businesses and organizations in the Atlanta area, especially those that serve Gwinnett County. While all businesses have security concerns, not all are about physical security, and we'll touch on that and other related aspects of security through the course of our shows. Also, please hit that subscribe button for me. Uh, we'd love to know that you're here. Our guest today, I'm very happy to have, Miss Donna Hill. She's director and senior and individual of senior and individual health markets for E2E Benefit Services. A lot of y'all probably know Raymer Sale, and uh, this is going is his company, and does an awesome job. How are you, Donna? I'm great, Rick. How are you? I'm super today. If I can stay awake, <laughs> I had to be up at an early, early, early meeting with the Gwinnett Place CID this morning. Well, I'll try not to put you to sleep. Well, don't worry. I'll, I'll, for you, you're part of it. I'll stay awake. Um, I like to start off asking who people are so people kind of get a feel for you. So who is Donna Hill? Where do you come from? You know, what got you into this business that you're in? Uh, Well, I originally come from Tuscaloosa, Alabama. Don't hate me. Um, A lot of people in this market have a little (laughs) problem with that. But uh, that's where I grew up. And... um, I got into this industry in 1980 as an administrative assistant, spent five years doing that, was promoted to sales rep for an insurance carrier. I spent eight years doing that, was downsized, and changed sides of the desk and started at my own agency about the same time Romer started E2E, and we met about that time. And um, after... 16 years of doing that for for a couple of different reasons i got out of that and went to work for Raymer. and 
I was originally hired to do group insurance, but about three months after I went there, we decided to open an individual and Medicare department, and that's what. And I was tasked with doing that, so that's what I've been doing since 2014. Well, I know that that keeps you busy. Yeah. <laughs> well, listen. You know, there's a lot going on with uh, talking about the benefits and stuff and uh, with all the stuff with Obamacare and, and all of that coming on. And let me just say, you know, ask you, uh, you know, who is eligible to, to purchase individual health insurance during the, this open enrollment period that began February the 15th of uh, this year? Uh, yeah, the open enrollment big uh, open enrollment normally runs from November the fifth. Uh, I'm sorry, from November the first to December the fifteenth um, every year, which it did this year and closed. But President Biden has reopened open enrollment due to COVID. Um, starting February fifteenth, it was originally slated to end on May fifteenth, but it has recently been announced that it will be extended. It'll go through August fifteenth, mm-hmm. and a couple of states, New Jersey and California, I think, me and two of them, have already extended it to the end of the year. So that may happen on a federal level too, um, but basically anybody who wants to purchase health insurance that is not getting it through a group can purchase uh, coverage on the marketplace. There's two different questions there. One is who can purchase it, and one is who can get a federal subsidy to help pay Mm -hmm. for it. And those are two different answers because just about anybody can purchase it. Well, that that segues right into my next question. So there are federal subsidies available for qualifying individuals to help pay for this health insurance. You know, has there been a change in how these are calculated? Yes, there absolutely has been. Ever since the marketplace opened in 2000 and whatever year it was, 12, I think, um, they have been calculated based on your uh, adjusted gross income, which could not be less than 100% of the federal poverty level or more than 400% of the federal poverty level. But the American Rescue Plan Act of 2021, which is the big stimulus bill that, that President Biden signed on March the 11th, did change that calculation where it's based on a percentage that you're expected to pay of the premium. So what they do is they take a benchmark plan that is the second lowest cost plan in your area for your age, and the premium cannot be more than eight and a half percent of your salary, of your inc- of your adjusted gross income. So, if you're on the lower end of the income scale, then the subsidy can be z- can be a hundred percent. If you're on the upper, if you're on above four hundred percent, you can now get a subsidy a lot of times if that amount exceeds eight and a half percent which it's mostly only going to do in that age in that price range uh if you're an older person okay so if you fall into that older category which is what 65 and up or 50 ish and up uh, it used to be 65 i guess we're getting older although we're getting younger it's amazing <laughs> but uh so it's calculated differently on those people than it is on the uh, lower end or it's 
well the the uh obamacare uh, uh that we call it the ACA does right. um allow companies to charge three times the premium for older people that they charge for a 20 year old gotcha and they all do of course sure. because the older people are a bigger risk well they got more problems right Ho- hopefully they do or you know <laughs> you know there's a lot of younger people now that have a lot of issues but you know i, I totally get that that reason you know how many insurance companies are offering individual health insurance in georgia there are only six in the entire state. Wow. And no chapter, I mean, no state, no county offers all of those six except Walton County, which is Loganville. Um, the what, Loganville Monroe. Um, wow. That's the only county that offers all six of them. There are, I believe it's nine counties that have only one carrier. Wow. Offering coverage. And then there are 47 counties that have only two carriers offering coverage. Where would Gwinnett fall in that? Gwinnett offers all of them except there's one called Alliant Health Plans that's mm-hmm. out of Calhoun, Georgia, that is not in Gwinnett. All the rest of them are in Gwinnett. So we've got five in Gwinnett. Yes. Well, that's good. What about Fulton? Do you know? Fulton has five as well. And the, I guess the surrounding metro areas are pretty much the same? They are. Uh, Hall County has Alliant, but they don't have Kaiser. Gotcha. Because Kaiser being an HMO, they're confined more to the urban area. Right. And that's kind of why Walton County is the only one that has a mall, because they actually do have Kaiser, and In they Alliant. have Alliant. So. Okay. Well, you know, at least they've got many more places to choose. You know, you have several different companies are they all basically charging the same rates not exactly but there's not a huge difference from the lowest one on on any given plan level the there's not a huge difference between the lowest one and the highest one well that's good that way you know you can you it allows you to take your pick a little easier than than letting price be the reason that you're choosing right so uh, that would be an absolute positive. Well, you know, are there other options available if an individual does not qualify for a subsidy but but can't afford the premium on plans offered? There are other options available, but you have to be very careful when you look at those options. The two main options that are available uh, with a third one that's just come up, but the two main options that are available are uh, the health share ministries like MediShare that mm-hmm. you hear about, yep. um, and then short-term medical plans. Which short-term medical plans uh, you can get you can only get for up to three years, and you generally have to renew them every year. And because these plans are not ACA compliant. They don't have to obey ACA rules and they can ask health questions. They can um, it, not cover pre existing conditions. Uh, most of them don't cover maternity. Um, most of them don't, co- a lot of them don't cover mental and uh, mental illness is at that all. Maternity or maternity leave? Just maternity they, is a rule. they don't cover. Maternity. They don't wow. cover the costs of having a baby. Well, that um, would be okay for the older set, but the younger set, 
they would have difficulty in that area. Right. You need to be aware that those things aren't aren't covered. And I would think that that's where y'all come in a lot is you know the plans, you know the options, you know what best to recommend for a client that comes to you and both individually and as a business. Yes, absolutely. And I'm meticulous about letting my clients know what is and isn't covered. Because uh, a lot of times they're used to applying with doctor copays, and a lot of those plans don't have doctor copays. You have yeah. to meet your deductible, which is smaller than you see in the ACA plan, but you have to meet your deductible before anything's paid. I make sure clients understand that and understand what they're buying. They're, they're a lot less expensive than ACA plans. Do you ever make recommendations looking at the, looking at the client, looking at the business, uh, looking at the different policies, the different availabilities, do y'all make recommendations or do y'all just totally leave it up to them to decide what they want to do? Um, I know that's a difficult question. Yeah, knowing the circumstances, like like knowing that a, a, a family can't afford the premium and is not getting enough of a subsidy to make it affordable for them, I will certainly present the options of short-term. Like I said, I'll let them know what the drawbacks are, but I might recommend that they take a good look at that. Um, And those plans are really designed for people who are in between jobs, people Mm who um, have just left a job, maybe have a new job, but they have a three-month waiting period, or they're looking for a job and don't have a job yet, so they don't know how long they'll be without coverage. That's what those are for, and I often recommend short-term plans for that situation. If, but again, they do ask medical questions, so they have to be healthy for that. To do be they an do the physicals as well every time it changes? Renews? They do not do physicals. They just ask the health questions. Okay. Well, what if people don't aren't honest on their health questions? The, in that case, something we call back end underwriting can mm-hmm. happen. So. If you say you you don't have cancer, and in the first month that you're on the plan, a cancer claim a claim comes through with a diagnosis of cancer, then they're going to pull your medical records there you and see if if there was any evidence of it beforehand. So in other words, be honest because if something comes up, they are going to check your medical records. Yes, and they can deny the claim. Gotcha. Um, now you mentioned those uh, those are people a lot of times that are in between jobs, just out of a job or whatever. I know y'all do a lot of benefit services for employers mm-hmm. and setting it up for their employees. How do the how does that work? Uh, as far as uh, do you look again look at the uh, at the different plans? Are all those plans available to employers? How does that work? To, that employer looks at it decides how it's best to handle for their employees how does that work well there's a lot more carriers and options available in the group market than there is in the individual market there's still not a whole lot more carriers because it's a it's a fairly confined market like most markets are these Mm -hmm. days but um there are more options available and better coverage is available um 
better benefits are available in the group market. So what we usually do is we get a feel for what they have now or if they don't have anything now, what they're looking for, what kind of benefits they're looking for. And we'll pick out plans from each carrier that is that meets those criteria that they've set. And we'll show them, we probably show an average of six to eight plans to each employer. Um, for them to choose from which one. And sometimes they'll come back and say, well, none of the, you know, the lowest deductible I see here is 5000 I want to look at a $3,000 deductible. Mm-hmm. And we'll go back and, and pull that up. And I assume, and this is an assumption on my part, that that you take, you look at, say, for instance, in my business, uh, the income that the employees make is fairly low. So you, I guess you would have to take into account uh, what the employees can afford out of their, out of the, if, let's say uh, they pay 20% or they pay 50%, you got to look at it from a point of, are your employees going to be able to afford this plan? That's more an employer question mm-hmm. than one that we get directly involved with at first. But what happens a lot of times is, if you've got a group that has not had coverage before, they do not now have group coverage that, and they haven't had it before, mm-hmm. then they'll send a survey out and say, how many of you want health insurance? And they'll get, they've got 10 employees and eight of them will come back and say they want it. Two of them are on their wife's education plan right. or something. And um, they'll, they want to cover their three kids and, and the whole thing. So you get the plan quoted based on that, but then when they come back and say, well, the employer is only going to pay 50% and I'm going to have to pay $400 a month for that coverage, then they don't want it. Gotcha. Or they don't want to cover their kids or there's changes. And then that changes the rate and makes it go up for everybody. Of course. So new groups present quite a challenge in, in getting that settled in to where how many employees will buy it at what price i would imagine that's pretty time consuming to be able to to go through research it all get answers and then have to research it all again to get more answers Uh, i know like for instance with us we have a little over 100 employees and a lot of a lot of would love to have insurance and we do some insurance a little bit uh to help them out and with the hospitalization and stuff. But to do a, a full plan, I guess it would be pretty time inc- time intensive to find out the information that they need. It Initially it is. Uh, again, if it's a new group, once you've got a group established, then you know who's going to take it. You may have a couple of, if you get a large increase or something and their amount goes up, you may have some people drop it, but it's usually going to go up incrementally. So they're usually... If they're on the plan, they're going to stay on the plan. So you've got a lot more stable base to work with there. Um, but, again, when it's an initial group just getting covered for the first time, yes, it can be very – you can wind up going back and forth. We just recently had one that had 12 lives, and we wound up having to requote it like three or four times because they came back, said they didn't want it, then – 
after we got those rates back to him, then there were a couple of more that came back and said, well, I want it, but I'm not going to cover my kids or I'm not going to cover my spouse. And all of that changes the rate structure. So it, it can be a complex process starting up a group. Can an individual purchase uh, coverage directly from the insurance carrier rather than through the federal marketplace? Yes, they can. And the plans are very are exactly alike, actually, and are priced exactly the same by law. Um, there may be some plans available on the on the uh, marketplace that are not available outside of it, but most of them are available outside of it. the The main reason you would want to go through the marketplace instead of uh, going direct to the carrier is if you qualify for the subsidy. You can only get that through the marketplace. So, and run by me again exactly and the listeners what that subsidy subsidy amounts to, boils down to, how it's figured. It, it's based, now with the change, it's based on the premium that you would pay for a benchmark plan can't be more than 8.5% of your uh, adjusted gross income. Um, and like like I said, on the low end of the scale, the pre- the subsidy can be a hundred percent. I mean, you can pay zero for your health insurance. Um, on the as you increase in income and that percentage comes down, um, it could be four hundred dollars, and the premium is twelve hundred. You know, it can vary along that scale. But it can be very, it can be substantial on the lower ends of the income scale. I guess the idea is to try to make it, quote unquote, affordable. Yes, so, that was the idea. Yeah, <laughs> I'm not sure it was quite as successful yeah. as they meant it to be. Because what <laughs> happened is, for it for people that qualify for that subsidy, yeah, it became a whole lot more affordable. But for people who don't qualify for the subsidy, it rates in the last 10 years since the ASA has been in place have close to quadrupled from where they were 10 years ago. Wow. And a lot of that has to do with the pre-existing condition thing, mm-hmm. which, yeah, it's great not to cover not not to exclude pre-existing conditions and that's something we all want to stay in there but it presents a real pricing challenge because i just had a client in this in the last month that dropped his coverage on january 1st because his subsidy went down and he didn't want to pay for it and in march had what is probably at this point a condition that created a half a million dollar claim, if not more. Wow. So what he was able to do was go on under open enrollment and get coverage effective April 1st after he had already had probably $150,000 worth of claims. So, and then it picked up and covered? Yeah. It's that you know that That's why you have open enrollment is because you're not supposed to be able to do that. But with the with the people needing coverage for coronavirus, and I think with this administration wanting to really strengthen the ACA as much as they could, then they opened up this enrollment period, and that kind of situation was created. Try to get more people to carry it, and it's harder to get rid of it. Right. 
Yeah, I totally understand that uh, philosophy on that one. Um, do I have to prove the income I declare that is the base for my subsidy calculation? And if I do, how do I do that? Yes, you do. And it's a little tricky because if you were enrolling for coverage right now, your subsidy, the adjusted gross income that your subsidy is based off would be what you expect it to be for 2021. Well, a lot of times you have no idea. A lot of times you may be between jobs and you don't know how long you're going to be unemployed. That's going to affect your income. Um, You may be planning on leaving your job and starting your own business. That's going to affect your income. So that can be a little tricky. Uh, They do ask for some kind of uh, proof from the previous year that supports that your salary, that your AGI is where you have declared it to be. Yeah, they'll take a a, a W two, you know, last year's W two or a recent pay stub, uh, that kind of thing to prove the income. But then, what happens when you file your income tax for 2021 in April of 2022? Um, it gets reconciled, and whatever the gross income actually turned out to be, your subsidy is recalculated. And you may owe some of it back to the government, or the government may owe you more money in a, as a refundable tax credit. Of course, I, di- I guess at this point, the way that works, it would be hard to tell how much time it would take the government to repay you. Well, it would be it would actually be adjusted on your income tax return. Okay, so, so you get would... it back in your refund, or you owe it with your tax liability. Okay, so... For instance, if you had the job in in twenty, you had a, a decent pay, you know, scale in twenty on your return, but then all of a sudden you're out of a job, and you estimate that, based on unemployment and so forth, that your income's going to be very low, but you get a job halfway through the year, and it turns out to be a lot higher. You're going to end up paying more. Exactly. Gotcha. Well, you know, and, and that's fair. I mean, that's that's understandable on that because it it gets you to paying what it really is versus just what you project right that's good uh do i have to prove the income level i declare that's the base for my subsidy calculation i guess that would be what we just talked about Mm -hmm. as far as by giving the w-2s and 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 all that that goes through it right they will ask you to upload those documents when you go on the marketplace and sign up for a plan they will ask you to upload those documents and they give you they they're they're pretty lenient they give you about 60 days to do it but if you haven't done it by then then they will cancel your subsidy they won't cancel your plan but they'll cancel your subsidy, okay. so then you owe the full premium. Okay, yeah, that, so it's make, they make it well worth your while to, to pay attention to that timetable. Yeah, procrastination is what gets people <laughs> in a lot of trouble. Um, can my employer pay my premiums for my individual health insurance? They can. They have to have a specialized health reimbursement arrangement called a, we, we call it an ICRA, it's individual coverage health reimbursement arrangement so it's ICHRA that um, allows them to do that that allows them to pay your premium uh, pre-tax but as long as the employer 
meets the criteria for it and has that plan in place, they can reimburse you for your individual premium. What kind of qualifications would that employer? You mentioned qualifications. And that's a broad question. So It's mostly discrimination stuff that you offer it on everybody, that everybody equally, equally uh, situated can ask, has a, that available to them. Everybody it's, basically in the same pay grade type situation right. would get the same plan and the same deductions, and everybody in a different pay grade would be either more or less or whatever. Right. So it's got to be like a lot of things when you're as an employer, it all has to be equal. Right, right. Okay. Well, that makes sense, too. Um, What happens if my income is more or less than the amount I declared? And you were saying that it's... It's It's adjusted adjusted on your next income tax return. Well, are there any other, you know, items that, you know, you think would be helpful to the listener to understand about about the insurance industry or maybe... Uh, some employers out there that are considering doing the, you know, bringing in more benefits and having to deal with, let's just round it off and say 100 employees. Uh, is there any more information that you would be, that you have that would help them out in making a decision of whether to do or not? They just need to be aware going in that health insurance is not inexpensive these days and be prepared for a little sticker shock when they get the initial quotes back on how expensive it's going to be and make a realistic projection of what they want to pay toward the cost of the plan because they've got to make it affordable for the employer. And if they have more, I mean the employee, and if they have more than 50 employees, then they can't, charge the employee more than 9.68% of their salary, of, of their compensation. Is that participating employees or total number of employees? Participating employees. Okay. So if you've got 100 employees, but 48 of them are the only ones that want it, you're not by those same structure restrictions. No, you have to offer it to all to everybody. But right. if only 48 take it, it's only the affordability uh, provision is only calculated on an individual basis for each participant. And it would be based on the 48 versus the 100? Yes. It okay. would be on each individual that was taking it. All right. It's not, it's not an average. Well, that, would, that, would, that would make it better for the other employees, or I guess it would make it higher for the other employees, wouldn't it? No, not necessarily. Not not necessarily because it, it, it ninety well that's probably too high percentage I was going to say ninety nine percent but eighty percent of the time it's not going to exceed nine point six eight percent and and dependents are not in there that's only for the employee so if you're covering your family and that's fifteen hundred dollars a month. That's not what you base it on. You base it on the portion that covers just the employee. And then the employee is responsible for the additions that they put on there. Right. And what a lot of plan, what a lot of, of groups do increasingly, uh, we've seen this over the last couple of decades, really, is employers will offer two or three different plans, and they'll pay for the base plan. They'll pay for the cheapest plan they offer. Right. And, and that satisfies 
that requirement, if that plan is affordable. But then if the employee wants better benefits, they can buy up. Well, you know, yeah, and that makes sense because, you know, it would have to get more expensive, I, I guess, for the employer, the fewer people he's got. Would that be reasonable per employee? Depends on the age, on the demographics of the group. Okay. If you've got a really old 100-life group, the individual rates could be as more expensive than on a 20-life group if the 20-life group is mostly 20-somethings. Okay. that That's good because I know in my business a lot of the people are, oh, I don't know, 30 under. So I guess that would that would make it a little easier on the employer, mm-hmm. uh, on somebody that had a number of employees, than to say it was seventy five percent people that were fifty five or older. Right. Okay. Well, that makes sense. Well, you know, it's been absolutely fantastic talking with you, and I, I think I could actually go on for about another hour, kind of fishing information out of you. <laughs> But, um, you know, I've known Raymer for years. I know his background. I know the, the, the care that he takes in getting the people that come to work for him and how much care he has for the clients that he, mm-hmm. that he has. So, you know, my recommendation is anybody in the business industry that has an interest in looking and getting a benefits package for their employees – to go through and really at least give Raymer a call uh, when you get over the sticker shock, as you say, you know, you can you can make a decision. But, you know, any way you go nowadays, there's going to be a sticker shock. I don't care who you go through or what you do, and I think you would agree with that. Absolutely. Because uh, it just is expensive to do health care. Uh, the old affordable thing, it's great. If you can afford it. <laughs> right. There you go. <laughs> well, Donna, is there anything else that you'd like to say? Or if not, how would people get in touch with you and with E2E Benefits if they need to at least go through and talk with you about some of this? Well, the number at the office is 770-736-9190. And if you're looking for individual um, or Medicare coverage, then you would ask for me, Donna Hill. Um, if you're looking for group coverage, you could talk to me or Raymer, either one, and we can help you with the the group coverage side of it. Well, I know either one of y'all will be glad to sit down with them, and, my, and I'm pretty sure I'm safe in saying either at their location or your location. Absolutely. Y'all do go to the people. Yes, we do. Well, that is fantastic. Again, thank you very much for coming on and sharing Well, thank sharing you for this. having me. And we'll have to do this again because this stuff is changing on a month-to-month practically basis. And I know that uh, Raymer recent well, it's not recent now, but a few years ago went through, when they first did the ACA, went through one heck of a training class that he spent a lot of time because I was in Rotary with him at that time. And a lot of his time was away from Rotary because he was spending so much time and all the studies he had to do to come up on that. And I would assume that you had to go through a lot of the studies as well. Yes, I had. As, as a matter of fact, I kind of wore two hats at E2E. I'm also the compliance director. Oh, wow. So it's my job to know all that stuff. I've actually read the 1,500-page uh, Affordable Care Act. 
I've actually read the whole thing. Well, God bless you. I, there may be parts <laughs> of it I skimmed, but uh, some really technical parts. But um, that's part of my job is to know the laws and make sure that our clients know the laws. And that they stay in compliance yes. with those laws so it doesn't come back to bite them. Absolutely. Well, and that's important is when you've got someone that's following up on it, cares enough to actually look back and make sure and, you know, has the courage to just say you're not in compliance. This has got to change if you want to stay there. And right. unfortunately, there are people at times I've, I've found that don't have that courage to go and say something like that. And instead, you it comes back to bite you, as uh-huh. I said. And then they just say, well, you know, I didn't know. I, I told them or some garbage like that so that's why you back up a lot of what you tell them with an email saying you know this just to reiterate this is what i told you so that you've got it in writing that you told them that well and it has to do a lot with the integrity of the people that you're working with from a from your side y'all have to be have a lot of integrity when you're dealing with this so that it maintains its compliance right and Raymer is certainly well known for his integrity oh yeah and uh his jokes but <laughs> <laughs> well again thank you donna and i appreciate you coming on and thank you for joining us on case in point presented by paradigm security services and in part by sosby's garage and mana scholarship fund be sure to join us for the live broadcast every Wednesday, every other Wednesday at 11:30 a.m. here on Business X Radio, and rate excuse me, Business Radio X. Uh, Mike gave me a frown over there. If you miss the live broadcast, no worries. You can enjoy the show anytime you want by visiting businessradiox.com, selecting the Gwinnett Studio, and then of course click on Case in Point. This program is also available on iTunes, iHeartRadio, Spotify, or really wherever you get your favorite podcasts, we're there. So please be sure to subscribe to Case in Point so you don't miss any of our future episodes. Again, thank you, Donna Hill. And our producers, Mike and Amanda, I'm Rick Strong. And remember, at Paradigm Security Services, we cover more than just your assets. 